Source for Stateside Views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson, James Boyman, and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined by Ryan following Everton's improbable, indescribably amazing comeback victory 3-2 over Crystal Palace to secure their place in the Premier League for next season with the win over Palace. That is Everton's 1878th victory in the English top flight. Couldn't write that sort of headline. That is just poetry. Furthermore, Everton will start next season as a top flight club for a 69th consecutive campaign. Nice. And Everton in this amazing comeback that had everyone on the edge of their seats. First time they've come back from two plus goals at halftime. It was the 75th attempt at doing so. Before we go into instant match reactions, I just want to read this little blurb. Everton staged a great escape at Goodison Park when they came back from the dead to cling onto their place in the premiership. Just reward for their supporters who packed the ground at every available vantage spot to cheer their team to the rafters. The delirious crowd were seething over onto the pitch to celebrate what turned out to be the winning goal. You might think that's from some publication this evening. It is not. That is from the Sunday Mirror on May 8th, 1994. After Everton escaped relegation against Wimbledon, similar circumstances today. Before I throw it to Ryan, just one last thing, a reminder, if you enjoy the show, if you are happy with Everton's result, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. You can find all of our links to social media on linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod and join our Discord at invite.gg slash ATP. With that, Ryan, going to throw it over to you. Hoping to hear some optimism at long last. (laughs) Yeah, I thought we were done. But I thought we were done after the Burnley match. You remember all this. I didn't think that we were going to get another point after that Watford debacle. Um. Boy, this was a roller coaster of emotion for sure. And yeah, just I, I'm very happy, but it's also kind of like, phew. Like, this has been an exhausting year, I think, uh, on a lot of different levels. It's been wonderful in terms of togetherness, but ultimately, the fans, uh, I really believe, and the supporters are really the ones that rallied everyone to the cause. I mean, it's this is not normal, too, folks. I've, ne- I've never personally seen anything quite like this. I mean, it is a little bit unique to, you know, American sports, this type of thing doesn't happen other than kind of save the team type thing, you know. Um, yeah, it's amazing. I, I just, I thought we were dead and buried today too. Um, but really, the, the support, the players, um, they did it. And they did it almost out of sure willpower. And I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, the effort they put forth in the second half I would love to get all tactical about it, but they almost went out the window. You know what I mean? It was just pure effort, pure guts, pure heart. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons I know I tend to be very analytical, but uh, it's one of the reasons why I love this sport and love this game. Um, it's intelligence, heart, courage. There is mentality. It's all necessary. You know, it all, uh, you know, truly a winner. And it all came today. I mean, a lot of teams could have just died, just fell apart. But um, I think there are also a lot of heroes today, too. And there have been over the last couple months. And I hope that people never forget the efforts of a, of a handful of players here, some of which were very maligned. Um, but, yeah, thank God. And uh, now we can move on as as we should be in the Premier League. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing pods all over the summer. We can actually talk about buying players and all those other plans. And, and actually probably the happiest people is the Everton recruitment team because they've been running dual <laughs> scenarios this whole time. And I feel very bad for them, and uh, I wish we'd have won the Watford game almost for them more than anyone. Uh, but now they can settle in and um, get to work this summer. It's going to be a long summer in terms of moving people around and making things happen. But boy, what an inspiring second half! Uh, what a scene, too. I mean, I, I just I can't wait for people to see this. You know, I, I this is something that you look at, you're like, oh my, what is going on here? You know. Um, from Patrick Vieira punching or going after kicking a fan at the end to like peep. I mean, it was just pandemonium, James. Um, that's not an instant reaction, but I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm moved. I'm, I'm just kind of blown away, man. I, I just, 
I swear to God, I thought this would never happen to. I mean, I really thought that we were going down this whole time. So, phew, that's it. <laughs> I mean, very well said, Ryan. And and you're right. It is in some ways a celebration, but it does it, it feels a bit weird celebrating the fact that we weren't relegated. It's like we haven't had a whole lot to celebrate as Everton fans for a very long time. And this was a terrifying, terrifying prospect. It has been an incredibly draining season. We've lost 20 matches. We've done 20 post-match pods following losses, and it has been really emotionally draining. I was sick to my stomach at halftime because we talked about it. The last thing you want to do is leave it to the final day away at Arsenal, and it looked, by all accounts, including Burnley getting a penalty being one up, that we were pretty much dead in the water. And for that second half display, I mean, you it was Jekyll and Hyde in the best way possible to see this team come out and just through sheer willpower power, get this team over the line. And as you said, the fans deserve so, so much credit because once that first goal went in, it was like, this is on and this could realistically happen. And I, despite doubting this team so much this season, really felt like, okay, there, there's something building here that I, I can't put my finger on, but it feels very like tangible at the same time. It was weird to do it, too, because, you know, we weren't there. Um, We're on the Discord, and, you know, we have a fun community there, too, and Twitter. And it's just to see all the reactions from everyone, including a bunch of people that even though we're on the Discord that we've gotten to know personally, that's really been fun. And, uh, yeah, just it was very joyous. Uh, We've got some great – we normally don't open with listener comments, but we got a bunch of good ones in here, James, that I I definitely want us to – that you threw down in here that I really like that I'd love to go through – the ups and downs, uh, live it and, and hear other people's words to describe it rather than our own. Yeah, I think it's fitting to lead with some of the instant match reactions on this occasion. We'll start with James underscore Shea 93. We deserved this win, a true testament to the fans and the players for giving everything for the club, UTFT. Then we had hashtag nine finger Craig at Craig Mack. First half, Frank's poor team selection and setup, impossibly bad refereeing, atrocious. Second half, Frank's changes and spirit. Absolute magic. Up the toffees and see you all in Baltimore. Love it. Going to be a lot of people booking flights to Baltimore, I think, over the next couple days. Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm in D.C. I'm very close, so uh, I'm sure we'll be hosting some things as well. I'm excited about it. That's going to be fun, by the way. So that's fun, be, man. That's, I'm, taking the whole, I'm taking the full whole family to the game, too. So that will be that day is going to be entertaining um yep we'll have the tent out chairs beers food you name it man uh come hang out with the old american toffee podcast in our community uh like we did in florida but we're gonna really do it up this time i think yeah absolutely we had a uh, mike sproge sproge no idea how to pronounce that but he had one of the best reactions i saw he said i'm like sproge yes i'm sorry <laughs> he said i'm lightheaded and crying in the living room my cats are in hiding my children worry for my sanity. <laughs> Up the effing toffees. I mean, come on, man. That's so good. That's DL has about. a good one here, too. DL has fallen apart on the Discord. It was great. It was very I mean, fun. DL and I are like the boo, like negative Nellies, like this whole time because we're like, we keep stinking. We're the worst team ever. Yeah, but um, yeah, he was he was pretty emotional. So I, I, like, yeah. this. I like this one from him. Yeah, DL, uh, I can't say anymore. I can barely open my eyes from the tears. Can't even describe these emotions, honestly. It's all so surreal. It truly, that third goal just felt. I think people thought this was real. Like, thought, this is it. This is finally the day we go down. You know, this is the time where we actually, this actually happens. Because how much, how, I mean, 10 clubs don't make this many mistakes. I'll tell you who's very upset today, by the way. Wait on me. Who? The saboteur. Oh. Tried his best. The agent of doom and destruction from Liverpool tried to take us down. Mission failed. Mission failed epically. We managed to get out just barely. And furthermore, we had a couple of score predictions on our Discord. The optimism train. We'll, we'll start with Sean Khan because he just deserves the He deserves it. Yep. Being the conductor of the optimism train on our Discord. Choo-choo, baby. He said for his score prediction, he didn't make one. No score prediction. Just believe that the optimism train will finally reach its final destination today to safety. However, it happens. You couldn't have possibly predicted this happening, but we also had uh, Bozy Blues and Sunwave Cat predict the correct 3-2 on the right side of it this time. A beautiful thing. 
And now that we've sort of basked in the majesty of the result, let's wind the clock back and talk about the lineups. And we'll have to kind of trudge through the pain <laughs> of the so first half. It was so long ago. I just feel like it was, <laughs> you know, like weeks ago at this point. It's crazy. But we'll we'll wind it back and we'll trudge through the lineups, the tactics, and then the first half before we get into the beauty and majesty of that second half. And we'll start before kickoff with the Palace lineup. Frank had a little bit of a conundrum here because they played five three two last time out. So I'm sure you know normally they play four three three. So uh, so that gave Frank something to think about in terms of setup. Uh, we all know Zaha's the danger guy on the left side. So. I could see Frank setting up the way he has with Wobi over there, maybe helping out. Um, but, you know, if you want to win a match, I, I don't know if that's the right way to go. But what we saw again is uh, Palace did make a couple changes. Schlupp came in for Gallagher. Ayu uh, comes in to play right wing and Kanate sits. So you kind of look at that lineup, you think, eh, they're going to revert back to their 4-3-3. And for the most part, they did. Um Elise's out injured. Uh, that's helpful because I think he's a dangerous player on the right cutting inside. His left foot's great. Um, you look at their bench. They got a lot of attacking options for sure. I think their issue is their back line. It's, it's um, young, not particularly dynamic in attack, and I think that's a big reason why they don't score a lot of goals. And Schlupp and Hughes a little bit defensive down the middle. I don't think Schlupp's particularly good. I was, I was thrilled to see Gallagher on the bench. That guy is a ball of fire and very difficult to deal with. Um, and for the first time, in, you know, it was nice to come back with a similar lineup, I think, for Everton, James, that there's still that one name in there that I think we've all been asking questions about, which we, we at least got some information we can address. But go ahead first. Yeah, I mean, of course, we see Michael Keane return for the suspended Jared Branthwaite back from illness. No brainer to put him in the lineup alongside Mason Holgate. Seamus Coleman again playing that third center half role. In the midfield, look, we had obviously had Mikalenko Owobi on the on the wings playing the wing back position. We had Anthony Gordon, Richarlis, and Dominic Calvert Lewin. But Frank goes with the Andre Gomez Abdullah Decore midfield again. What Andre Gomez has been doing in training or whatever to deserve inclusion in this team. And what Alon has we, we I think we kind of beat it into the ground last time, but baffling decision to include him. And he didn't do anything to indicate that he deserved to be on the pitch in the first place. He was Horrible from the first whistle, in my opinion. Yeah, look, I think we found out through some back channels that really the issue with Alon is that he's hurt. Um, he apparently had put off um, surgery to deal with the sports hernia. I think that's why he's even on the bench. And kudos to him for having the guts to do that. That's what I've been told. Again, I'm not going to reveal my source or anything, but um, that explains. Well, that explains a lot, right? I mean, that really it does, does yeah. explain a whole lot. Um, still maybe not what I would have done. Um, because look, at this point, what's the point of Andre being in there at all? So to me, if you put him in, the one thing Andre does do well is he, he's good with transition and he can pressure high sometimes, but I just, you know, the idea of us getting on the front foot, I just don't like it when we get too expansive. I don't think we have the, quite the players to do that. Um, but certainly I think a lot of people also agreed with this. I mean, I, I, I don't think he played well last match as well, but you're right from the get go. It just just wasn't right. Michael Keane was a welcome addition, though. No question about that. Absolutely. And he was he was massive. Stood up to be counted today. No question about it. And, you know, I think very early on in terms of tactics, Ryan, we saw a very similar style opening play. We were going to try to pressure a little bit high, disrupt, control the tempo early. Um, we saw some of that. I mean, we kind of did that. Little. I mean, you know, we had some chances and we get into kind of the flow of the match, I think. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it kind of failed. And then when we tried to sit back, it wasn't as good. Um, it looked like DeCorey was dropping back a little bit more to deal with Zaha, which is fine. Um, I don't think Mateta is amazing, but he's a big body up front, so you got to put someone on him. Um, but, you know, really, tactics, it's hard to be overly tactical when basically the referee is allowing it to be a, a street fight. Um, but I will say this. I mean, Palace was very well spaced. You know, they used the width. They were using the bit of the, of the field. When we started slowing down a little bit, um, you could tell they were having no problems passing through our pressure. And when that happens and they kind of get into our midfield, you know, I, I just don't think Andre can defend in space and DeCorey having a run and make up for him the whole time, especially when, you know, DeCorey wants to be a little bit more of an eight rather than a six. I think that's his best role, being able to go back and forth. It it robs him a little bit of his industry and what he would normally do. Um and look, we were using Dominic uh, a lot as kind of a release valve, and, and he was 
a little bit maybe off early, but you could see the timing Elise was there in the aerials, and he was growing into the match. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, once again, Anthony Gordon had a lot of space on the right side, too, but I don't think he really did anything with it. Um, Richarlison was stacked a little bit more on Dom. I think we had some issues, James, at, at times when playing it up to Dom is fine, but he's not going to win everything cleanly, so you got to get up on him for the second ball. And we've got DeCorey kind of covering for... Andre, I think we got into a little bit of that trap we had against Watford where we had some spacing issues from the midfield and the center forward. I, we eventually fixed that later, but only out of sheer you know, impetus for attack. Um, it was very interesting to see, though, the balance in terms of the sides and how, how each team attacked, though. I think Palace did what a lot of teams have done and, and really seemed to focus on, on our, le- our right side through their left. Although I guess that's not really a surprise to Zaha. But it right. seems like, I mean, James, it seems like a lot of teams have been, Brentford did that through Henry. You know what I mean? It seems like that's been a common theme. Yeah, absolutely. This season, teams have singled out Seamus Coleman as kind of the, the weak point. And now that we've got Alex Wobie sort of his reinforcements, and as you said, DeCorey dropping in, I think it helped a little bit. But there are multiple times this game where Coleman was just clearly either too slow or too tired to keep up with what Palace were throwing at us. In terms of attack distribution, we, we attack predominantly down our right, and that's with 43% of our attack coming down there. A decent amount down the middle. Again, this was classic kind of what Frank has reverted to in that we were just hoofing it at almost every opportunity. Um, and then we're on the down the left side, 29% Palace, 44 down the left. They still attack 35% down the right side, so they maintain some balance. And then just quickly in terms of shot distribution, you know, Palace got basically 85% of their shots inside the 18, including 14% inside the six. We got zero inside the six, but 58% inside the 18. So we'll look at the XG a little bit later. It does not look favorable to, to us at all. But before we get into the timeline and the rest, quick break for a word from our sponsors. So just kind of getting into the timeline real quick, James. I mean, this is very much a match of two halves. Uh, I think it's hard to argue that whatsoever. <laughs> Say that again. Yeah, and, and look, and I think another big characterization here is Andy Taylor's uh, willingness to just swallow the whistle. It reminded me of like the third period late in an NHL playoff game where you can basically just, you know, lariat people like a WWE match and it's fine. Um, it was a crazy match. But look, the early action, I mean, we were we were on the front foot for sure. Um, you know, there was we had some early chances. Um you know, their their attack was basically Zaha putting his hand to Gordon's throat. That was kind of their only offensive move early. Uh, can we talk about that? How is that not a card? I mean, are you serious? That's like CONCACAF stuff. I mean, he grabbed him on the throat. I don't understand that at all. That that was the first indication to me that Andy Taylor is just going to let things go, not throw cards for that. I didn't get that. Um, Everton had a big chance early on a Richarlison free kick. I think a little people are surprised about how how good that delivery was. I'll tell you what, though, he gets a little bit more dip on that thing. It might it might find its way under the bar. It was a good effort. Of course, we don't get the corner there. That was the second missed corner we got up to that point. Um, I don't know. I mean, when you stood up to that, I mean, were you a little bit surprised at this delivery there? It looked pretty slick. First of all, Ryan, uh, the listeners are going to have a field day with you calling Anthony Taylor Andy Taylor. I just want to, you know get that course correction in there oh first. my god did i really <laughs> andy taylor's that the uh, the bass player for duran duran probably i have no idea i think it is right but and i'm sorry in the power station your your characterization of his behavior and refereeing style is spot on he had no interest in calling a lot of these fouls and dishing out some early discipline the first yellow card not coming until the 32nd minute is crazy the hand to to zaha or zaha's hand to gordon's throat I don't know, you know, Gordon kind of, I guess you could say he initiates the contact by putting like his, his forehead goes forehead to forehead with Zaha. The retaliation somehow doesn't get punished. We've seen that double standard all over the place. It's been this differently time and time again. How can you not call that a yellow, man? It's ridiculous. I agree. I, I, I'm with you. I can't believe it's not a yellow. And then the Richie free kick. I had very little faith of Richarlison putting it anywhere near the goal because he hasn't really shown much capability from free kicks but this was really well hit and it actually as you said butland looks like he gets the slightest touch to it and then later on that other corner so things just weren't going our way both in terms of the discipline from the referee and just the outright calls in terms of who touched the ball last before it goes out of bounds the stuff that should be pretty straightforward you would think but not for these best referees in the best league in the world 
Yeah, and eventually I mean, they started breaking our pressure a little bit. I'm not going to say the first goal in the 21st was really a byproduct of that, but you could kind of feel a little bit of a change, even if it came a little bit early. Let's talk about this lovely goal. Andre Gomes showing how valuable he was today. Uh, no tackles, no interceptions, three fouls. This is one of them. Um, you know, look, he comes in, kind of gets a foul from the side. Um Service is very good here. I don't know how Mikalinko or Decore ended up kind of being on Mateta. I think Keen would have been my guy for sure on him. Um, it's a almost a free header. We've talked about it. Mikalinko's a good left back. He's not great in the air, and he just absolutely buries it. Um, it is good service. Not a whole lot Pick can do about this one, but this one you just want to just – you're so angry. You give up the foul that was completely unnecessary at the top of the box, a dangerous spot, and once again a set piece kills us, James. It's Andre Gomez to a T, a terrible, terrible foul. And then it's just poor man marking, marking on the set piece. Like you can't let their striker go free no. into the box to just tap it in. And he hits it kind of dead center. Nothing Pitt can do about it just because of how close he is. And yeah, that felt like the first nail in the coffin. Well, I guess probably the 150th nail of this season in our coffin that was kind of going only one direction at this point. And then in the 32nd minute, Will Hughes... Picks up the first yellow of the game, as I mentioned just moments ago. Hard tackle. Clear yellow. Clear Hard yellow. Tackle. Yeah, and I mean, you're starting to think, and they were really chippy and throwing throwing some tackles around. I'm like, why? It, just, it seemed On a Anthony little Gordon, too. Like, yeah. I, singling him out. Yeah, I mean, Anthony didn't even get a chance to dive. He was getting hatcheted. And that one was bad, and I think that probably contributed to the outrage over this next one, but I'm curious your take on it. Because two minutes later, AU takes him down from behind. Absolutely scissors play. Goes nowhere near the ball. Goes right through him. Both legs. Um, immediate yellow. VAR check upholds the call. What's your take on this one, James? You know, if that's, again, any other team, that's a straight red. The position on the field, the fact that he's not really a threat to progress the ball or anything like that. He's kind of cornered on the sideline. And then IU, for some bizarre reason goes in for this unnecessary challenge from behind scissors him could have broken his leg very easily and that's the second ridiculous challenge on gordon in just a matter of minutes i totally thought it was deserving of a yellow or or a red card excuse me straight red because you really if you're if you're taylor at this point you have to assert control over this game he just never at any point seemed to want have any interest in doing that and it felt at this point i'm like okay fix is in here and that certainly wasn't uh, – I wasn't dissuaded from that position by what happened next either. It's a straight red for me too, 100%. I, I don't understand how you call it any other way. It's incredibly dangerous, and that's one where you just like get off the pitch. You can't be out here if you're going to be like that. Uh, if that had happened to me like in a Sunday league game and it didn't like injure me, I'd have taken one step t- to them and just bashed them in the head. I mean, like That is just absolutely uncalled for. I cannot believe someone would do that on the professional level and that it's only a yellow. Like what's a red now? Do you have to put someone in like a pile driver or something? Like putting him in a finishing maneuver? Like Stone Cold Stunner or something? What is, sorry, I sound like Astro. What? what <laughs> it's crazy, man. And then, of course, of course, James, just like you said, like clockwork, two minutes later, he comes in and scores to make a 2 nil. This play, I, I don't even really know what to say about it. I mean, the ball goes in, Mikalinko and... I guess kind of leans in. I don't know how this distracts Pickford. He seems like he has a clear attempt on the ball. He chooses not chooses not to catch it, but he doesn't really punch it out at all. The shot falls, you know, outside, gets hit back in. He kind of makes a flailing save, and then, of course, it falls right to Ayu, knocks it in. We were, you know, it was on a counter, so we were flying backwards. DeCorey was in the goal. No chance of offside or anything. This was just a comedy of errors, but of course... And I'm thinking we're toast at this point. I don't know how you felt. Completely. Completely. Done 2-0 in the first half. We've squandered any decent opportunities we have. It's Ayu who should already be off. And it's not It's not even like a remotely good goal. It probably crossed the goal line at like three or four miles per hour. It just crawled over the line between Decore and whoever else was on, uh, Mikalenko maybe, on the, on the goal line. It was such a joke that we couldn't get that out. And Jordan Pickford, I think, is like scrambling backwards because he's so far out because we were so far up the pitch and it just comes at us so quickly beat on the counter it goes in and i was like this is it this is again the 151st nail in the coffin for everton 
down two nil to Palace in the first half. The the atmosphere, you could tell there was just kind of a sick feeling going around, probably blues around the world, especially in Goodison Park. But I mean, we of course would eventually rebound, but it it was looking bleak. You could see maybe if you were a true, true optimist, the tiniest little speck of light at the end of the tunnel at this point, I thought everything had gone dark personally. It also ticked me off a little bit. I mean, it's the right move, but then Frank changes and moves Wobie into midfield. Yeah. I, and I just I sent this tweet out because I was so irritated about our approach at Watford because I felt like we, we should have made that change then. My comment was, think about this. He determined this formation is better to score goals, yet wouldn't change at Watford, which just scoring once would have kept us up. Pete at the real Pete Law. Moving Wobie from wing back into the middle and playing fourth back instead helped shift in mindset. So look, there are two ways to look at that, right? And I think it's it's what we talked about at the beginning of the year when we would evaluate Benitez's adjustments, where Rafael would constantly start us out incorrectly or stupidly or poorly and would make some changes early and we won. And you kept wondering, wow, does he get credit for making the changes or does he you know, deserve the flack from starting us off so or setting us up so poorly? I don't know if the setup was chiefly to blame for what was happening there. Um, it's good to know that we were limited in midfield selection, so that's not entirely on Frank. But yeah, ultimately, if he was going to use DeCorey to come back and, and defend a little bit more with Coleman, I, I, I totally disagree with the idea of playing a Wobie out there as a wing back. And I didn't like how expansive we were early, earlier. I, I would have liked us to play a little more cautiously. But look, I think this did make a difference, and we didn't really see it necessarily until the second half. Um, but when you look at the numbers at the end of the first half, I mean, they're not that one-sided. Uh, you know what I mean, James? They're, they're, we were probably a little bit unlucky. Yeah, I think in the context of how Everton have played, the style of play we've seen in the last several matches, the stats don't look that bad, right? Although it was 65-34 in favor of Palace in terms of possession, level on shots at five apiece, getting outpassed, of course, 80% to 68%. Out dribbled, but we won more aerials. They had slightly more tackles, um, but we had more dispossession. So, relatively even, as you said. This uh, both, I mean, they scored on a set piece and a hor- horrible defensive sequence, right? So it wasn't like they were playing us off the park. That said, a two 0 lead, <laughs> Everton had up until today never come back from such a deficit at halftime. So everyone would have been forgiven for thinking that there was little to no hope. But I think it was clear, very, very clear that, look, this is you, there's no more playing cautiously. You kind of have to throw caution to the wind because this is really it. You've got to just go for it. And I don't know what was said at halftime. I'm sure we'll hear in the coming days kind of some of the – I'm sure Seamus gave an impassioned speech. I'm sure Frank hopefully tapped into some – Bill. It's Bill. Bill Kenner came into the <laughs> – Come on, man. Come on. That's that's barely funny. (laughs) I can't help it. It was not. Well, the one number that I would want us to pay attention to at halftime is dispossessed. Six versus five. Because that gets really interesting and one-sided in the second half. Look, they probably thought maybe they had done enough. We haven't scored a lot of goals. They really haven't either. um, Because they don't commit a lot of their defenders into the attack. But look. The sub was Deli Ali for Andre Gomes. And at this point, it's a right sub because what's the point of having him in there at this point? It doesn't really matter. Awobi's pushed up to the right. Deli Ali on the left. DeCorey in a six, maybe not his ideal role, but one he has played in the past. Um, you have to push the back line up too, so Duke's got a little bit of freedom to go back and forth. And look, we came out desperate, aggressive. We played with intensity. I thought Deli Ali made a big difference even early. Look, in the first 10 minutes... We dispossessed Palace five times to one, six tackles to three, 85% pass success, 60% possession. First 10 minutes, we were all over them. And now we weren't generating amazing chances necessarily. And I think that had to do with a little bit of the quality in the side. Um, but look, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just, there were times where like DeCorey looked like he was just running and, you know, was a little reckless, maybe not lacking quality. Coleman looked exhausted at one point. And, and I had to admit, even though we came out good on him, I just, I it still didn't look like we were scoring. And then Deli Ali gets nailed from the back by Anderson. We have a set piece. Mikolenko takes it. And can you possibly explain what the heck happened on this goal? Because this is incredible. Unbelievable. I, I can't because just 
the list of names here who contribute to this first goal. It's obviously Mikolenko now on free kicks. Takes it. It's not great, but it goes pretty far. Back line. Holgate knocks it down to Michael Keane. And Michael Keane, who scored, I don't know, what is he, three or four goals this season? He scored a handful, but none like this with his weak foot. He hits it with the outside of his boot and places it in the corner. It was crazy. I could not believe he placed it like that. The the finesse on that shot. And it's one, two. And you're thinking, oh, my God, there's we just got thrown a lifeline. We have a, a, a way back into this game. There is, in fact, hope. He took it down with his left foot, too. I mean, what? like you would think you would have used your right boot at one point. Took it around with, down with his left, hit it with the left outside of his foot. It looked like his brother, who's a striker. Uh, yeah. I mean, and it's funny. Every now and then, Michael Keane does something where he'll crack a shot or something, and you kind of you realize he has some skill there, even if he's not very fluid. But this is to, almost nonchalant. It was such a good goal. And then it was on. And, you know, the crowd's fired up. Um, right after this, Hughes gets in a tangle, and I'm just thinking, how is this guy still on the pitch? Finally, they sub him off. Um, Villavojevic comes on, their captain, replaces him one for one. And for me, I was really happy about that. Not because it was the wrong sub, but I look at all the attacking players they have on the bench, and I thought the best way for them to end this is to score the third. And I'm thinking, okay, good. That's one sub down. You know, because you know Gallagher's probably going to come on. And Ben Tacky's there, too, with his freaking rock head. And, you, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Um, and, look, I, I think this is a key sub, too, in the 61st. Gordon comes off for Gray. Look, Anthony Gordon, to me, was simply not effective today. Uh, he had the ball in a lot of dangerous places. I still maintain Gordon has not been effective for a long time. And he's not been very productive. I know everyone's swept up in the fact that this is a young player that's been effective for us. Um I think he's an emerging talent. I think he has a wonderful ceiling and upside to him, and I love his effort. But I'm sorry. I just don't think he's – going into next season, we have got to find a better solution on that right side. And, look, he put in a terrible cross a couple minutes before, and I think this was the right move, and it turned out to be a big difference maker. And we're just coming on at this point. You know what I mean? Um, can we talk about the, the 69th minute, the yellow Zaha picked up, or are we going to talk about this stuff first? Because this is massive. We'll definitely talk about that yellow, but first I want to say a couple of things. One, I think the reason Hughes was still on the pitch is because he looks so much like a ghost that Anthony Taylor must have missed him. He's just like impossibly blonde. Questionable um, and Yeah, just how, how can your hair be so – it's like clear. It's so blonde, it's clear. It's, it's ridiculous looking. But then, in you terms think it's of the a dye job, sub, or you think that's natural? <laughs> it's got to be natural, man. Who who's gonna do that to themselves? <laughs> Come on, yeah, good point. That's right. And then, in terms of the Gordon sub, I'll go even further than you and say that I think this was one of Gordon's worst games in a blue shirt this season. I thought, and I'll caveat it with: there's probably no one in the Everton team who felt more pressure going into this. Maybe Seamus Coleman than Anthony Gordon, but. It just reflect, was reflected in his play. I think the he maybe got caught up in the moment a little too much. There was that one sequence when he had the ball at his feet and he tried like four cutbacks in a row and then lost the ball. And it was like, yeah, it went out of bounds. Like, geez, yeah, yeah. You, you just got to get rid of it. You got to play quickly. And he wasn't doing that. And so you bring on Damari Gray, who brings a lot of the same, I think, positive things to the team when they're when playing well that Anthony Gordon does. But get the kid off, and I think it made a massive amount of difference as we will see shortly. And then to bring us up to speed in the 69th, the Zaha yellow, again, he should have had one for the, for the throat grab. He should have picked up his, again, another second yellow later on in the match, which we'll get to, but how this guy stays on the pitch. I, I, I have no idea in the world. Now in the 74 two, they came up and put Gallagher on for Schlupp and this one concerned me because I know what an energizer bunny Gallagher is and how he can go back and forth. And I thought we looked a little tired. I know we're pushing everything into it, but I'll tell you what, the boys in blue did not care. They just kept fighting, fighting, fighting. And sure enough, a minute later, I mean, this was, well, it stunk too, because I was so far behind everyone watching it on stream and on the discord. And so every time anything big happened, people would write something and I'd be like, oh, great. You know, like a minute later is when I would get to it. But at this point in the 75th minute, we've done the impossible. It's two, two Richarlison scores. And I'm thinking, you know, a tie is not bad here. It really is not the worst result. I know a lot of people are like, win it. We just need to win it so we can be safe. Blah, blah, blah. But look, if we tie and Burnley ties, 
we go into the last day, if Leeds and Burnley, if one of those two don't win, we're good. And I, I thought that really put us in, in a good position. But look, let's talk about this play. Pickford has a long pass. The first touch, Damari Gray, I, I almost just called him the wrong first name again. Damari Gray pulls <laughs> down is unbelievable, by the way. I mean, that's like a 70, 80-yard ball. He pulls straight out of the air, puts it right down, does a little La Croqueta, dances around a player, finds Coleman wide right. Coleman kind of cuts back to his left and hits like a left-footed chip far post. And Deli Alley is in a great spot here. He kind of sneaks in back door, takes it off the chest, tries to shoot it. Magically, it gets rebounded, comes back to Richarlison. And I don't know how he does this, but somehow off his left boot, somehow gets it in the right corner. He goes nuts. The crowd goes completely nuts. And, I mean, Goodison is rocking. And it's hard to tell if you're not there, but... I mean, it looked from the TV like the roof was blowing off this place. And suddenly, I think people are thinking, we can win this thing. Um, and, and, but look, in many ways, we weren't creating amazing chances, but this was coming. We were playing great at this point. We were front foot. Again, you know, the first 10 minutes, we we're all over him. The second, tw- the next 20, we we're all over him even more. I mean, it just, there was no stop to it. It was relentless. I mean, the players were given everything. It was amazing to see. Yeah, that's what I mean. When one side has everything in the world to play for, and the fans behind them, it, I just think it, it it made all the difference. And Richarlison, for uh, I guess like the second consecutive game, he he gets the goal this time, but one that he hits that you have no idea how it gets by everyone into the back of the net. It's not hit with a lot of velocity. It's just placed really well. And this is his tenth goal of the season. I think leads the team now. Um, in Again, Damari Gray taking that first touch. What an impact he was able to make. I don't think you see the same from Anthony Gordon in that circumstance. And the, the ability to just beat two guys, take them out of the play. And Coleman cutting it back and playing it with his left. Like He had the play to kind of take it to the touchline and try to cross it back in. He decides to cut back. Deli Ali involved in things like he was for most of his substitute appearance. Richarlison, the dude just bleeds blue. What can you say? To Seamus Coleman's credit, um, he doesn't have it anymore, the ability to go back and forth, but he was trying to do his darndest to get up into the play. I think he was two for three in crosses today, and I think the one he missed I thought was a great cross. No one just cut back to the spot. So he, he contributed some. Uh, the numbers in the next 20 minutes, we went over some in the first 10, are unbelievable, like 4-0 to zero in dribbles. Um, past success is 72 for us. We were playing direct, so that's not that bad. 72, about 69.2% possession. Dispossessions, 7-1. to one, Or times dispossessed. So, I mean, Palace gave the ball up. We were all over him, really. 8-2 to two in tackles. 11-2 to two in aerials. And at this point, like, DCL is starting to take over here. He's starting to be a real problem for them. And, you know, you're thinking, and we talked about it a little bit on the Discord, that, hmm, you know, he's starting to grow into the game. I know D.L. Barks is like, DCL for the winner, and too many Pumas is saying, I'm telling you what, he's starting to look dangerous. And it's taken a while. It takes some time to get your timing back and whatnot. Um, but what's very strange after this goal is I felt like we ran out of gas a little bit because it wasn't, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is 30 straight minutes of us just, you know, absolutely going crazy, all this effort. It's a total attacking side at this point. I mean, it was basically Decore covering for everyone. And look, he had some bad passes, but my God, was he running and working and winning the ball. Um, and they had some chances here a little bit. And this is about when they brought in Bentake a couple minutes later, and you knew he'd be kind of a focal point. Um, finally, Decore got a yellow for basically holding back. I thought he was going to go with the horse collar, the 15-yard penalty. Should have. Should have. Um, yeah. And then in the 84th, Zaha has a terrible tackle on Coleman. And what? Do you see a yellow for this one, James? No, and they like they're they're tangled up pretty good, and Zaha basically is is reaching around with his arm around Coleman's waist, just trying like clinging on for dear life, basically, because Coleman actually has had pretty much bested him at this point. Zaha's falling over. Zaha's like, I gotta stop this guy from getting clear. Pulls him down, no second yellow. Anthony Taylor keeps the card in his pocket inexplicably, but that I was mad for about 30 matter. seconds. Yes, right. I was I was mad and... for about 30 seconds. And and look, this is Damari Gray stepping up here is all the difference in the world. I mean, look, Anthony Gordon's service wasn't great. Mikalenko corners wasn't great, but he did have a good delivery early. This is a pretty good ball, I think. 
yeah, the set piece delivery, we had been pretty wasteful up into this point. Damari Gray comes in, and I I literally probably have watched this highlight now 30 times since the match ended. The way he steps up in the Gladys Street, in front of the Gladys Street, and everyone's singing Spirit of the Blues, and then right before he takes it, this lull just kind of goes over the crowd, and he just curls it, puts it basically right on to Dom's head like there was a magnet attached to the ball and Dom and he just in the classic DCL fashion which we have so desperately desperately missed this season just bashes it past the keeper in and the scenes after this were uh, I mean we can describe them and I'll describe them as indescribable how about that because the fans rush the pitch you have Dom grabbing the badge you have Allen running down we have Andrus Townsend limping on one leg, allegedly, to get down and celebrate with the team. And there's still five minutes left plus stoppage time. And you've got fans all over the pitch. And you've got the, the announcer team say, please get off the pitch. You've got Alex Awobi turning around and giving fans high fives and being like, no, you got to get off, man. We still have a game to play. <laughs> it was pandemonium. Yeah, it was crazy goal celebration. <laughs> I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. By the way, you know you can strike a ball cleanly when it seems like it almost accelerates due to the spin. Because yeah. it just, I mean, Dom's head is like a battering ram off this thing. Man, Damari Gray can strike a ball cleanly. I mean, what a talent. I swear, God, you know, if he just got his head up more and did some other things, he'd be so good. But, man, he really comes through here, and Dom finally breaks through. And this had to feel so good for him. It was absurd. I mean, Yerry Mina ran down, had Dom up in the air. Um, <laughs> DeCorey got knocked over, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. He kind of ran in to celebrate with him, and someone just jacked him. Like, I swear to God, to put him into the stands. I'm like, no, no, it's our only defensive mid at this point. It can win a battle. Please don't hurt that guy. Um, I, you know, the one thing, too, the announcer on our broadcast made some comment like, what they don't need is the fans on the pitch. You know what? Forget it, man. I loved it. It was pure raw emotion. Some people thought it was cringy or embarrassing. Not for me, because it's just when you're down 2-0 like this and you've had this type of year, it's such a release. I'm not saying I would have jumped out of my seat, but I, I get that. And actually, I'm not so sure that the stoppage... By the way, they cleared off the pitch so quickly. It was unbelievable because there were a lot of people on the field. Um, I'm not sure that that stoppage didn't help us catch our breath a little bit because I actually thought... I'm not saying this was against the run of play, James, but I felt we were a little bit out of gas at this point, and uh, I'm not sure if we would have got one from open play, uh, but the set piece was huge, and you know Zaha maybe escaped the yellow, but man, this was it. And I mean, you knew there were going to be a ton of extra time after this, though. That was probably the only big concern. That that was my concern. I put out a tweet like, get off the pitch. I wasn't, and it's not because I don't love to see the passion and the celebration, but it's purely like, if that was a, a 90 plus one plus two, like, okay, there's still plenty of time. And we all know what an extended period of stoppage time can do to change a result following the Newcastle match. So the fact that they were able to clear the pitch so quickly was great because this very easily, if the fans were, you know, doing what they could have done in this situation, we could have ended up with 11, 12 minutes of stoppage time. So everyone, they got their celebration and they got back off the pitch and continued rooting for the team. And I was, it was in hindsight, great to see. I was just in the moment panicking, like, oh my God, we just got this lead back. We've worked so hard. We pulled off this unbelievable comeback. Don't squander it by then giving them 15 minutes to score an equalizer. And this is all for naught. It was a little dangerous too. I, I uh, you know, Patrick Vieira seemed a little irked and, and irritated by it. He wanted to bring his players off. I'm sure he wanted to because he would have needed to conserve energy well, to do it. So, Well, I mean, look, in his defense, I agree. It is a little no, bit of yeah, a dangerous situation, but totally. no one's jumping on the pitch to go, you know, get in your player's face. Now, someone well, did eventually after the game jump on the pitch and get in Vieira's face, um, which is garbage, by the way. I don't know why I don't that condone it. did that. No, I don't, and I'm not saying the right thing to do is kick him, but he did kick him. Uh, there's some lovely video on that. But look, yeah, I mean, you knew you knew there was going to be some extra time here. But I'll tell you what, we saw it out pretty well. I mean, it wasn't that dramatic. There was a handball on Bataki, and there were some other issues that were close. And um, Ricky eventually got Richie got subbed off uh, in the 93rd. John Joe came in, and we kind of played five in the back, and we hung in there. And look, I mean, the second that whistle was blown. I mean, the place went absolutely nuts. I mean, completely everyone on the pitch, emotional responses all over the place. And look, man, 15 times dispossessed to three in the second half. Wow. 18 tackles to eight. 19 aerials, one to nine. Four dribbles to one. 
We won the we won the battle of possession in the second half, seven to two in shots. I mean, look, the bottom line is we did a heck of a job. Maybe the quality wasn't perfect. Did a heck of a job in the second half. It was all blood and guts, and and sometimes that's what you need, especially in these big matches near the end of a very long season. And hats off to the players. I don't know what Frank said to him at halftime to get him fired up. Clearly, he he's done a good job managing people, even if I've had some issues with his tactics at times. And he's a good guy, and I thought he represented the club well. And, and he was it was great to see a manager kind of really enjoy it as well. And the scenes afterwards, James, were just unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't just stop watching. It just kept going on, and I was loving every second of it. Yeah, the broadcast, again, they've done a really good job in our recent victories of doing the fans justice in terms of you know time on screen. They've made a lot about the welcoming committee for the bus, and then they dedicated... I mean, we didn't even see the highlights of the match on the broadcast before it ended because they were just showing the fans, and you had the entire pitch just inundated with fans. The songs ran the gamut across every Everton song probably ever written. It was sensational. And as you said, the second half performance was entirely deserving of the win. That's what you get when you have one side playing for their Premier League life against a side who are comfortably mid-table. And I think Palace maybe took their foot off the gas, and we exploited that with an onslaught of spirit. I will say it. The spirit carried us. It was brilliant to see. We get by with an XG. The XG philosophy has us at .91 to Palace's 1.51, which doesn't feel right to me but we'll see the other numbers come out personally i don't even really care we scored three put them in the back of the net that's what really counts and saw ourselves to victory on the back of some borderline dare i say heroic performances from a handful of the evertonian players and look we bring up the xg it's just a point of reference i mean it doesn't it's not necessarily the end all and I'll be all. And uh, we had plenty of times where we looked dangerous and had the ball in control with chances where we didn't give shots, you know, and, that, and that's fine. So, you know, that's what that measures. It's quality of the shots you take. You know, if you give up shots or decide not to shoot, even though you have it in dangerous areas, there's other metrics to measure that. That's the one we just choose to use. Um, it is what it is. But, yeah, let's talk about performances. The one thing I will say, and I know everyone seems to associate me with this particular player, and I did finally bite the bullet and buy his jersey. I have to admit, I did. Um, when I was over a couple weeks ago. Alex Awobi. I just want to talk about Alex Awobi for a second. This kid had every reason in the world to just pack it in. Much maligned. I, I don't think he's been fairly treated by the fans for a long time. And I've, I, I was very vocal about that. And that's really what I meant. I just wanted to defend him because I thought in the right situation, he's a good player. Um, he's not the second coming of Messi. But look, this guy works his tail off. And you can say when you put him in the right spot, like him and Deli Ali basically controlled the attack in the second half. Um, he takes care of the ball. He's actually a smart player, even though he takes some chances in the final third, you know. And every now and then he'll lose the ball. But what it, the fact that he works so hard off the ball and when he has it to create tempo, I, I'm just very happy that he's gotten a chance under Frank. And look. You're right. He didn't light up the stat sheet is is literally the words that you put in here. You know, three dribbles, one tackle, one clearance, one interception. But look, yeah, he helped us, Aha. Um, And he just kept working, man. You know, led the team in touches. He was the focal point of the attack and has been many times this year. Uh, Down the second half, and hats off to him. I mean, I just just feel like, how can you say anything negative about this guy? You know, he's really put forth all the effort in the world in the second half. And I mean, he should really be commended by our fans. Absolutely. I mean, a guy who, and Ryan, yeah, you're the Awobi guy for better or for worse. I don't think you've, you've never, I think given, you know, said he's anything more than he actually is. It's always, the line has always been, if you put him in the right positions where you can utilize his things he's good at and minimize the things he's maybe not so good at, you've got a half decent player on your hands. And I think, Every Evertonian in the world would agree with that after tonight and after the run of games he's put in down the stretch when we so desperately needed someone who is capable in possession. And his ability to just, he it seems like he always plays with his head up, man. Like he's always looking for that pass. Um, and it's something we've really missed. And especially when we've sucked in possession for the most part, to leave the team in touches and really be instrumental in just retaining the ball and, and stringing things together. He deserves he all the credit it, in the world. And he plays at tempo. He plays yeah. fast. You know, maybe he rushes things sometimes, but he plays people in his space. I mean, he's just, 
He's so important for us. And look, I mean, you've got to mention Richarlison. You know, Richie came out and said, we're not going down, basically. You know, and you could have seen down the stretch here, this guy just has willed us to wins at times. It's how can you not like this player? Uh, He just has so much guts and fights so hard and so much passion. And the fans feed off him and vice versa. Scored again today, hit the post on a free kick. A bunch of shots. Look, he's a pain. He's a pain. And when him and Dom are really firing, you could see our attack can be really effective. We start surrounding them with some better players. I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. If this is his final home match, whatever. But this guy has kept us up. He's one of the heroes. And uh, I just, I'm just so happy for him. And you could tell, man, he loves it. He just loves it. He's such a passionate player. How can you not like him? He is our talisman in a lot of ways. and He is. I in a season when I have gone through many stages of hating the vast majority of the first team, this is one guy who is just incredibly, incredibly likable as a person. His whole persona, he just seems like this happy-go-lucky kid who's happy to be here when he's off the pitch. And then he steps on and he is all business. He doesn't smile. He's got the mean mug and he just works relentlessly for the team, does whatever he needs to do, whether it's playing as a number nine, which we know he prefers, or playing off um, on the wing. He does it all and he comes up in big moments. There's no question about it. And if he leaves... I mean, this is about as good an exit as he was going to get, other than, of course, maybe winning silverware or something. But he'll go down in the lore of Everton players as one of the most loved there was. He's Brazilian. He only cost $50 million. You all know the song. And uh, I hope it's not the case, but it, it was a really, really great effort from him today. And, you know, it feels like he's always right on the verge of getting hurt, and he just continues to soldier on. The guy's just a, a warrior. Yeah, warrior. That's the word I would use. We got a, we got a couple of them. Maybe not enough. Awobi's kind of like your friendly warrior, you know, friend of the pangolin. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you what, Dominic Calvert-Lewin deserves a lot of credit here. You put this number in, and I had to double-check it to see if it's right. I had to triple-check it. I couldn't believe I, it. I, and again, who scored is not always the most accurate. But we use their numbers because they're the ones that are always right, right and available right afterwards. But they said he had 15, he won 15 aerials. That's I mean, preposterous. That is, for a center forward, that is absurd. Uh, two tackles. Look, he had eight turnovers. He had six bad touches. A lot of them in the first half. But, man, he was awesome in the second half. And, by the way, kudos to him for playing the game today and having that awesome tackle where he won the ball cleanly, but he came back with a little kick at the end. Loved it. No card for that either, right? No card. And at it shouldn't have been based. it was consistent. Exactly. And the 15 aerials. Uh, seven fewer than Palace has an entire team and nine more than any other player on the pitch, assuming that's accurate. And the dude just, now that he's back and seems to be, I think we saw maybe the closest to full fitness we've seen since the first three matches of the year, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the dude just floats in the air. It's like he's got, like, he's made a helium or something. He jumps and he just keeps rising and he stays high and he just wins everything. Uh, and Palace aren't that early the jump. side. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Early- it's hard to deal with, and his timing was better today. It was a little bit better last match. You could tell he's getting better and better. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he was a difference maker today. Look, we've got a couple players that can be difference makers. It's a matter of surrounding them with better players. Um, I'd be remiss to not mention Mason Holgate and Michael Keane. Um, they exchanged to, to create that first goal that really kind of got us started. Um Holgate won a bunch of aerials again today and had six clearances. Uh, again, a few too many long balls, but... Um, he stepped up, I thought. You know, I was nervous for him. Um, he makes a lot of mistakes. There, There is a pair not that bad. They kind of complement each other. Um, sometimes that can be bad, but it was okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, credit to those guys. They stepped up and did did well enough, really. It's not their fault on the set piece. Um, can't really blame them for that one. And then we get into the subs. Actually, before we get into the subs, let's mention Abdullah Decore. Decore is another one of the warrior types. And, look... There were some times where people thought he was sloppy in the second half. But my response to that is, that's fine. But who's going to win the ball back if not him? Like, people are saying, get him off the pitch and put in Donny Vandebeek. No. No. You need someone with some legs out there to power the attack and turn things around. He had five tackles and an interception. No one else is going to do that today. And look, he was four or five in long passes. He actually showed some decent distribution. And look, he had only one bad touch. He missed a couple passes. Yes, he did. Not always his fault, though. Some people need to move and go into spaces. 
Did he take some chances? Maybe, maybe not, but he kind of had to. But to me, I mean, think about being the defense mid that has to play behind Daly Ali and Alex Awobi. I mean, <laughs> this isn't exactly the most defensive stalwarts there. So I think he deserves a little bit of credit. Um, but let's talk about the subs, James, because Garrett has a really good post here. I think it subs it or summarizes it pretty well. And some other guys, Andy has a, has a similar comment as well. Um, curious your take on this sucker, but I thought his subs were spot on as well. I like that you said uh, Garrett had a post when his name is Garrett Post. Was that a, intentional or was that? Regardless, we'll move on. Garrett to be post. Frank, <laughs> Frank made some good subs. Boo. Uh, Garrett Post Sorry. at Parrot Ghost. So bad. At this tweet. Frank Lampard subs. Spot on. Deli Ali changed the midfield complexion. Tamari Gray created the winner. My manager. Hashtag EFC. Hard to disagree with that. I mean, we talked about it a little bit already, but Andre should never have been included, though I don't think Delhi starting from the first whistle, that would have been a, a very aggressive move from Frank. So I can, I guess, sort of see in hindsight the rationale. Deli Ali comes on basically out of the cold, has barely featured for us in weeks, haven't seen him. We talk about how little sense all of our January signings made, but that's a conversation for another day. Today, Deli Ali was a game changer. He had a key pass, a tackle. He was just so diff- such a difference maker in possession. He looked rejuvenated. He came on with a fire that I think has been maybe the main critique of him as a player since he sort of his meteoric rise is that he just doesn't have that sort of motivation and intensity about him as a as a even a person. Some have said today you saw that in spades. Um, the guy was just working his tail off. He had an- another one who went in for a couple maybe slightly reckless challenges, but also had some really neat touches, some neat flicks. And just brought a different dimension to our game in the midfield. Very composed on the ball. He finds the open guy very well. He doesn't give it away very often. And when he does, it's it's in the attempts to create a chance. Both him and Awobi are pretty they're pretty tough to deal with, you know, if they've if they're be given a little time and space. Now he's not that active in terms of finding space. He also isn't gonna look active. I mean, he's six two, you know, he's a big kind of lanky guy. Um but if you surround him with legs and give him a little time and space on the ball, he can make things happen for sure. And I, I just think John Blaines and I went back and forth a little bit um, about what an impact that was, a little bit's addition by subtraction, because I, I think we all knew what we were getting with Andre, and sure enough, we got Andre at his unfortunate worst. Um, I think the Damari Gray-Anthony Gordon sub was massive as well, too. I mean, look, he, he had the assist, two dribbles. It was a massive upgrade. He's also the one that kind of took the Pickford pass and created that play as well, too. Look, in moments of quality, he provided more of it than Anthony Gordon would have. And, you know, the real debate here is, did Frank get it wrong kind of up front? I mean, you know, do you give him credit for the subs? That's the balance. Um, Andy really kind of hit this one, too. And maybe this is a good transition kind of into uh, the listener comments, too, James. But that, that to me, is kind of like the, the big debate, you know, today in terms of from a technical standpoint, and I'm not sure I care that much because it's just such an emotional match, but Andy Cia um, at Schmub, um, contributor to the show, often. Frank had the setup wrong, but big credit for adjustment at half. Delhi was pivotal. Wobi was a man possessed. And though he was not his normal self, he never gave up, and you could tell he tried to control the game. Despite Premier League refs' best efforts, our beloved Everton stay up, up, the toffees that's it right i mean that's that's kind of the the big summary the big story shall i say you know and and maybe frank didn't have any choice maybe he didn't and he certainly had limitations in the midfield but at least he took action and i don't think he took the right action against watford but i think he did today and look it worked out but you know credit to the players in the crowd i mean it was just it was special you know we have some other listener comments that i just kind of speak to the absurdity. I mean, the game was absurd. Like, James, like, I'm trying to be very calm and rational about doing the pod as I normally do. This game was Come nuts. on, Ryan. Let loose. I mean, it just in terms of Andy's comments and, and in terms of the kind of debate, I think Frank has really kind of been searching for the answer now for some time, and he felt like he may have stumbled on some semblance of a solution that maybe could get us out of this mess that we found ourselves in. And that was the formation we played the last several matches with the three center halves and the wing backs. And unfortunately, it turned out really not to be the answer. And we'll, of course, be doing more analysis of the season as a whole. Today, the changes were what's desperately needed. It can't, it, it, 
was pretty much gunned to his head. He has no other choice at this point but to change things. And he changed them for the better. And I think, tip my cap to him. I'm glad that he did it. I'm glad it was not the Red Saboteur at the helm trying to submarine us into the championship. We stay up. That's the most important thing. And we look ahead to the future. And I think we had a couple listener comments that that illustrate that quite nicely. Yeah, and I I think some people have gotten on me for being overly critical and frank. I don't think I'm overly critical. I think I'm fair. But I think the message there is that it's also not really Frank's fault that he's been brought into a situation that probably called for something that was a little bit more of a firefighter. Totally. Um, and because that's not really his thing. You know, I, I think I think we'll see the true Frank Lampard kind of putting a stamp on this team after the summer and kind of building this team to kind of his his way of looking at things. And I think the way he wants to play or the way he at least tried to play at Derby and, and Chelsea is is a, a good aspirational way to play. I, I don't love him as a manager. I think he gets too expansive and wide open. But but I think a club like Everton should have ambitions to play in that manner. Now, again, I'm a little more conservative in nature as a coach. You know, I like building from the back and being sound. Um, but in his defense, our personnel in the back's bad. So he's got a chance to kind of make this team on his own. Uh, I think he's going to push some people out. Hopefully we'll realize a bunch of sales and we can get him those three key players and maybe three or four more supporting cast members to really reshape this team and set us up um, for success going forward. I- I'm excited about the future. Even if Frank's not the right guy, um, I think the next guy should be somewhat similar in style. And and I think we've hopefully got the right trajectory under Kevin Thelwell now. Um, but I, the one thing I will say is, and this kind of gets us into some of the other listener comments. It's hard to have looked at all this. and I mean, you almost got to take the analytics out of it and just say, what a special club this is. In the last couple of weeks, the blue smoke, the crowds outside of Goodison, meeting the bus. I mean, how lucky was I to be a part of this at the Chelsea match? But, like, you just feel it. Kudos to the Bobblers, some of the other supporters out there. Those guys worked really hard to bring everyone together and create this atmosphere. I mean, just everyone was completely together supporting the team and i think emily nails it pretty good here too even if she uses that word i feel like this is like the knights who say me when they like change we're no longer the knights say e and you can't say the word it we're gonna say the s word and not maybe the the curse word we're gonna go to emily ejt are you gonna bring me a shrubbery yes (laughs) emily second shrubbery and a little path and sorry god ryan stop derailing the show we're almost done (laughs) I'm excited. Which I guess is the this time is like we the, typically. It's a rare time for me to get we can excited celebrate. and pumped up. You told we me to get emotional. Loose. You're the one who told me to do it. This is on you. I haven't even I had have, a drink yet. I did before the pod. And I appreciate the sentimentality from Ryan. I too feel very sentimental. You know, this season started with the Florida Cup. We got to meet some of our lovely stateside Everton brethren. It, of course, went the way none of us, even the most pessimistic fan, I don't think really saw the way it would have predicted that we'd be going into the second last second to last match of the season with relegation, a realistic possibility. And yet we found ourselves here and the way that the community responded, the way the fans responded to support the team, despite I think middle of the season, things were getting really negative, really is toxic. It was, it was really hard work supporting this team at times. And so we finally come out the other side of it and brighter days ahead. I think you're right, Ryan, in terms of the structure, it, we can only hope that, the owner, who was absent today, has learned his lesson about how well-run football clubs operate and that he will commit to a structure in which he keeps his freaking hands out of the cookie jar and lets the pros do their thing because that's the only way that we're going to stop conceding ground and to clubs like Brighton, to clubs like Brentford, who are doing things by the book the way they should be done in terms of footballing structure. But that's enough of my rant. I love this club. I love the fans. So an unbelievable community. I'm so thankful to be a part of it. We'll go to Emily. Special half, special club. Dom was immense. Thought Keenan Holgate looked the best they've looked as a pair. Delhi really showed with his first substantial Premier League minutes. This team's got spirit. But more importantly, they have the best fans in the world. And then we have Dr. Defense to bring us home. At Dr. Defense. Says it very poetically, I must say. What a stupid game this is. Stupid and insane and for today, beautiful. UTMFT. Couldn't have said it better myself. Ryan, before we adjourn ahead of the Arsenal game, which is now 
thank the Lord, dead rubber, a meaningless match, which we hopefully just throw the kids out and see what happens. Your thoughts on today, on the state of Everton, on Toffee Fest 2022 in Baltimore in just a few weeks here. Lay it on me. We just needed to get safe, you know. Everything can kind That's of build from here. We needed. That's it. That's all we needed. And I just wish it would have happened earlier so I didn't lose years off my life. Even my wife was like, You have no I just I was telling her after the match, I am so relieved. She's like, You have no idea, so am I. <laughs> um Yeah, it just it just makes you know, we live and breathe this club and, and that's how it is. And yeah, I love the sport. Um and I'm just I'm so, so happy that we're finally there. I really didn't think it was going to happen, um, but I'm happy that it did. Uh, couldn't be more happy. And it's just, I- I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the off season. And I don't think that's me being naive. Um, I think we're through a lot of kind of the heavy spend and, and the stupidity. Um, we didn't do ourselves any favors in January, but I-, I think we can rectify some of those. And, I, you know, th- there's a lot of things. This is going to be a very interesting off season. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the futures of some of the players, Dom, Richie, what do you do about Mina and Alon? I think those things have to be resolved first. Once those are resolved, you know, I, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited to see what Kevin Thelwell can, can draw up. Uh, I would imagine that we'd name a head of recruitment pretty soon. And, uh, I know they've been hard at work, obviously looking on targets and trying to improve this team. I, I don't think we're, I don't think this team is that bad, honestly. Um, but one thing's for sure. I mean, with the better manager, a singular identity, and and maybe not having injuries to everyone, um, who knows? You know, certainly I expect to see a lot better better team uh, this next year, and I'm excited to see everyone in Baltimore. Amen to that. I certainly cannot take another season of this type of anguish. Uh, it was very rough, but as you said, Ryan, I, I do feel optimistic. I think there's brighter days ahead, and I'm very appreciative of this club, of this community, as I already said. So I'll just leave it at that before I continue repeating myself. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the American Toffee Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, just another reminder to please leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform of choice. Helps us get found in the search, et cetera, et cetera. Helps us out a lot. If you want to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at USA Toffee Pod. And if we haven't plugged it enough at this point and you haven't joined, I don't know what you're doing, but you should absolutely join our Discord. You can join it by going to your web browser and typing in invite.gg slash ATP. All the links will be in the description and we will be with you following that match at Arsenal to call an adjournment on this season of the Premier League. No drama. The drama has ended. We can all sit back, relax and enjoy the conclusion. We'll be with you then. Until next time, up the toffees.